0: This week, we discuss the difference between things that require big one time achievements versus things that require lots of gradual, consistent improvement. Let's go. Welcome to Startup to Last, a podcast about building profitable software businesses that are meant to last. Hi, I'm Tyler. I run a bootstrap SaaS company called Less
1: Annoying CRM. I'm Rick. I run a software enabled services company called Leg Up Health. What's up this week, Tyler?
0: I'm on a uh, little staycation this week. So I'm still in St. Louis, but I'm not doing any work. <laughs> just relax. Like? What, what
1: does that feel like? What does a staycation look like for you? Um, well, we
0: were going to go out to my parents' lake house tomorrow, but it's too hot. So I think I'm just going to, tomorrow I'm going to go to my parents' house and just, th- they live like 20 minutes from here, but just stay with them for a couple of days because just to change the scenery. But basically just sitting around watching TV, going on walks, you know? <laughs>
1: nice. What do you mean it's too hot to go to a lake?
0: Well, apparently their air conditioning can't support oh. like if it's above the low 90s, they basically can't keep the place cool.
1: That's a that's more reason to jump in the lake.
0: Yeah, I don't think this is the type of lake house you might be imagining. It's like a very small man made lake that uh, there's no like real boating or anything on it. It's just kind of a nice thing to look at. <laughs> okay, <laughs> like a pond. It's it's a big pond, yeah. It's a big and pond. My parents are listening. I think it's a very nice lake house. I don't mean <laughs> to put it down, but it's not like what you're imagining, <laughs> Rick.
1: I'm sure it's awesome. Yeah. You could do um, some fishing, get in the canoe, catch yeah, some bass. Maybe
0: you could. I don't know. I Fishing's not up my alley.
1: What do you do at the lake? What do you do go there?
0: Uh, some combination of nothing and walk around. Like kind of not really a hike, but just walking on, you know, walk
1: around with my nature dad. walk.
0: <laughs> yeah, cool. Uh, yeah, so I'm just just
1: chilling. What have you been up to? I'm I'm hanging out. Uh, we had Oliver's four month baby appointment, and he gets pricked with a bunch of. Well, I guess he gets shot up more than pricked. Um, mm-hmm. Lots of shots, lots of immunizations. So that went well, and uh, yeah, I'm working, trying to get a lot done before the end of the month. Yeah,
0: sounds good. Cool. Well, I hit a very vain and meaningless milestone this week, which is I am now at 2,000 Twitter followers, which is, you know, compared to people who actually have real Twitter followings, nothing. But I I had a thought related to this, uh, which is it's such a hits-driven thing, getting Twitter followers. Uh, I, I think this is true for everyone, but for me certainly, I think I can point at three moments in time that got me probably... 1,600 of the 2,000 Twitter followers, even though I've been on it for like a decade. tweet I tweet pretty regularly. It's, it's really just these one-time events that get you a ton of followers.
1: What was the most recent one?
0: Well, I had a little one. This is not one of the three, but I got like 50 yesterday because someone was, uh, Riley Chase, the founder of Hostify, was like, "Who? he's about to hit a million MRR, ARR and was like, who should I follow that's in that zone uh, like, a little bit ahead of him, basically. I and mean, he listed, here are the people I'm already following, and I was on that list. Mm. So, like, 50 people followed me from that after months of really net zero new followers. And then the, the big one was when I posted, uh, we hit 3 million in revenue, I got, like, a 1,000 new followers just from yep. one tweet. Yep. But it kind of occurred to me, like, A, I don't like that. Like, I don't think... Uh, not that getting a bunch of Twitter followers was ever like an important thing for me, but this is not my style. My style is very much like show up every day, be reliable and bit by bit grow rather than like, you need to hit these home runs from time to time.
1: So you really think that to grow your Twitter, Twitter following, it really does require hits like home runs.
0: Yeah. I think just showing up and being consistent, but not like never really being truly great. Isn't how you succeed at Twitter. Um, and I think I'm more consistent than I am occasionally great.
1: Mm, that's interesting.
0: And then that kind of led me to think, well, what like what else is this like like are there kind of other things in life and business that you can apply this to to be like, well, this is for me and this isn't? And I actually think it wasn't an intentional decision on my part, but like less annoying CRM, I don't think there's like a lot of room to be brilliant when it comes to CRMs, but there is a lot of room to show up every day and just get a little bit better and have good customer service. So I think I kind of like lucked into something that suits me. Um, but like, if I were to start something new, I might, this might be one of the things I think about, like, c- it, do I need home runs here?
1: Uh, yeah, that's interesting. Um, do you like, I mean, there, would you say you don't want to start a business? Is less annoying CRM in that case, a good business for you. I think it's good for me. Okay. And then when
0: you see the people who really succeed at Twitter, where they have these like super, you know, like every week they put out a super viral thread but I think those people tend to get bored faster, maybe, you know, they, they want to kind of do something really innovative and neat for a little bit. But I think that type of creativity also causes them to lose focus after the 12 years I've been doing this. So mm-hmm. maybe there are probably people out there who can do both, but I think most people are probably more like one or the other.
1: Yeah, interesting. Yeah, I buy that. Do, do you think congrats are congrats, oh, congrats, congrats on hitting 2,000 followers. That's Appreciate very Appreciate it. You're, you're now worth more than you were before. Yeah. <laughs>
0: Uh, anyway, I'm just yeah. kidding. <laughs> uh, what have you been up to in, in
1: terms of the business world? Uh, well, I was, I, I was, I had it on my list or calendar to review the results of my conversion, um, optimization for Ricklinquist.com, which is my personal writing website. Um, and so I wanted to share some learnings from that. Uh, so it was just a few months ago that I decided I was going to re overhaul how i do um forms on ricklinquist.com. i use ConvertKit uh and have call to actions on various parts of the website um and so visitors are roughly flat i've gained a, you know on average a little bit over the last few months but it's about 3500 visitors per month um and that's un- that's unique users is how uh, uh google google analytics says mm-hmm. it Um, I'm up to 257 subscribers, actual subscribers on the newsletter. And every month, every week, I'm adding seven or eight new subscribers um, every week, not per month. And uh, over the last 18 months, there's been a huge increase. Like I was probably at 500 visitors per month um, or less 18 months ago. So there's definitely a lot of growth over the long term, but over the last three months, hardly any growth on subscribers per month. But I've seen a massive uptick on conversions per week. So um, I've almost doubled uh, my conversions per week. Conversion rate? Or you said you haven't increased
0: subscribers per month. Sorry, Is that not the same thing as conversions per week?
1: So uh, visitors, pardon me. Oh, visitors. So, okay, visi- sorry. Uh, visitors have not have stayed flat on a monthly basis, but, but I've almost doubled my conversion rate, um, to subscribers. Cool. I know you've time.
0: said this before, but can you give like the, the high level, what,
1: what, what you think the changes you made that really had this impact are? Gosh, um, I did two things. I simplified the, uh, what do you call it? The, um, the, the call to action and made the newsletter more just called generally appealing. Like sign up and here's what you get um and then i also uh i did uh, i added uh the i made the newsletter the purpose of the site so instead of having consulting and all these other mm-hmm. things that you might do it's like the first thing you see when you come to the homepage is this is where i you know write sign up um and then i added multiple calls to actions uh to subscribe to the note pages which gets most of the traffic most of my Traffic comes from people searching for notes on books. Um, and so I added a subscri- uh, subscribe uh, call to action to the top of the page as well as at the bottom because those are really long form pieces of content. Um, and then I also uh, changed the email confirmation. And this is, I think, had a huge impact. One thing that was happening was a lot of people would sign up but not confirm their email and, not, and therefore not get added to the actual list, not become mm-hmm. it as a subscriber. And so I changed the default convert kit Um, email confirmation, um, email to, instead of say subscription, it says, it says, instead of saying confirm your subscription, it says confirm your email address. And that's Mm -hmm. seen, I've seen a much less people get stuck, uh, in that sort of unconfirmed email address space. That's, that's a very good tactical tip. Uh, -hmm. I might have to go try that as I'm
0: guessing some of the listeners should also go try that. Yeah. Um, that's interesting. Cool. Uh, something you mentioned that I, I have a thought on is, so I've never had much success with like my personal newsletter or lessening serum, but I have helped my mom start, like start her food blog, uh, the yummy which is quite big actually. And has like 20,000 newsletter subscribers or something like that. Um, one of the things that you just mentioned you did, but that I want to call out cause we, we did it on the yummy life is, um, I think a lot of people think about the user experience on a content site is going like. First, I'm on the homepage, and then I click to an article, um, when in reality, the vast majority of new traffic, which is probably the vast majority of total traffic, is hitting a blog post first, uh, because they did some kind of search that got them there. And so you should really think of the blog post as the landing page. And I almost think of the homepage is almost always the second or later page they hit, and that's where... The people who are truly interested you can give them the more in-depth stuff there whereas the blog post itself should be optimized more
1: for like low friction conversion i think i agree i totally agree um the gosh i was going to say one more thing oh one thing that so now that i'm sort of at this point where my conversion optimization seems to have worked i've doubled my you know i appear to have doubled my conversion rate i feel like okay good now let's go get more visitors I stopped, um, I haven't seen much growth. One thing that I stopped three months ago that was probably working maybe because I haven't really changed anything else is uh, I stopped doing Quora answers um, Mm -hmm. to questions and linking back to articles and books uh, notes that I was taking. Um, Thinking about starting that back up again. Uh, It's pretty low effort um, and seemed to have a trick, but do you have any ideas on like really low cost, low effort, Marketing tactics uh, that would take less than an hour. Let's just call it an hour a week.
0: What is a uh, like a visitor or a subscriber worth to you? Do you think? Well, I don't have a value right now, yeah. so I would say nothing. Because, like, for certain things, I think paid ads can mm-hmm. like not like Google AdWords wouldn't work; those are too expensive. But my impression is there are a lot of less targeted, less qualified ad networks where you can get a click for like. Ten cents or something like that, but that's probably still not going to be worth it for you.
1: Yeah, it's interesting to to think about that, though. If you think about people who are searching for notes on books, especially if I have got a really uh, popular note book book notes that mm-hmm. I get a lot of conversions from, like for example, one I get a lot of subscribers from, and people uh, some people who sign up, I send them an email that say, says, Hey, like, why did you do it? You know, tell me a little bit about you. The, the people who reply to that are usually the people who have read, uh, either, um, the infinite game notes, uh, which is a, re- a book by Simon Sinek or Sinek, Sinek, or I'm not sure how you say it. yeah I don't know. I, or the Charlie Munger, uh, psycho- uh the psychology of uh, psychological tendencies, um, of human misjudgment. Um, those two seem to get a lot of subscribers who are super engaged. So I could like pay for ads on a very long tail key terms related to that and just drive people to that site. I mean, one of the content strategies
0: that works for some people is like, I think the reason some uh, ads pointing at content, the reason it works is the content is something that is not otherwise a high demand ad because like there's nothing to sell anyone. I kind of wonder if so, book notes. I'm guessing no one's making a lot of money selling those, but people are selling the book itself. I wonder if you'll be if you're competing with book sal- sales. Probably the ads are too expensive, but maybe they're not advertising on like if notes is in the keyword. I'm not sure.
1: Yeah, I, I'm. I, this is interesting. So, yeah, if I if I guess what I'm taking away from this is less specific is the tactic, but more it's like okay, people are the 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 reason people are signing up are notes. Where are more people? Where can I go find and be positioned better for people to find my notes? And one one thing I can do is I can try to get ranked higher for searches on Google. But I also there's probably some platforms in which I'm not my notes are not being discovered, which is probably why Cora was so successful. Um, so I'm, I'm
0: yeah. Although I think Quora is
1: different because I, okay. I was going
0: to say there's like two different categories of, I I realize there's a much bigger world of this than just paid ads, but I'm going to stay on just paid ads for a second. There's like someone searches for whatever book notes and you have, and you have an ad for that. Another one is just someone's like browsing Facebook or Quora or whatever. And they weren't really thinking I want notes on this book, but they're the right type of person. And I think those are normally much cheaper ads because they're not as targeted. Um, but maybe you have something that like a random person might be curious about.
1: Oh, interesting. Yeah. Okay. I, that wasn't what I was thinking about at all. So man, that seems really expensive and not, not targeted.
0: I don't even mean Quora ads, even if you're just posting like on Facebook, Quora.
1: I was thinking like Facebook, Well, F-
0: Facebook for sure. And yeah, so with that, like Facebook's magic is its demographic base. So it's like every 25 year old, you know, whatever, 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 uh, might want this thing. But I guess my point is when you wrote on Quora, you're not, the people seeing that are not people who are searching for notes for that book. They were searching for something else, and then you kind of, in your post, are like, "By the way, here's this thing that mm-hmm. appealed to them." Yeah. Which I don't know what my point is, but <laughs> it's different. It's different from like a Google AdWords one type of is thing.
1: being sort of in trying to get found relate in a related query, and another is targeting someone who, based on who they are, is, right. you might be interested in something that they haven't thought of.
0: Yeah, and I've never uh,
1: had success with that second kind. Yeah. I have had success with the first kind, but.
0: SEO is one way to do it. Paying for it is very expensive because ev- like, of course, everyone wants that targeted traffic.
1: The, the, what I'm realizing is I probably just need to keep investing in SEO. Yeah, and that's probably right. I mean, the
0: fact that it's working. It's because it's working. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And I haven't done anything with it in a while. So there's probably more like low hanging fruit with the SEO stuff. So. I mean,
0: probably even like limited link building. I, I hate it. It's terrible work. But I bet because you haven't really done any of that, I don't think, mm-hmm. right?
1: Nope. Nope. Do you know where you rank on those two books? I don't, actually. Uh, I should probably look into that. Yeah, do some, I think that's right. I need to do keyword research and I need to decide, figure out like, okay, what are, where am I and what are some tactics that might move the needle? Yeah. Why do you want this? I, it's more of a fun thing. I don't yeah. Know. <laughs> <laughs> this is totally. Ass- it's just, I. I don't know. It's just fun. This yeah. is definitely a side project hobby. I would put this, my dad liked to work on cars. Um, this is my little new, like thing. That's why it's like, I, I get I got an hour a week on this. I get it. Yeah. I, it's probably not like actually
0: worth the time for the reason I'm, b- I'm about to give, but I do something I like about a personal brand is it it lives longer than the individual projects you're working on potentially. Mm-hmm. So if, you know, you, you said in the last episode, maybe 10 years from now, the health insurance uh, health insurance exchange marketplace thingy doesn't exist anymore maybe y- your newsletter still exists yes. you know it's a of so yeah it's like a hedging your bets sort of yeah
1: yeah totally cool um uh, so that's that's that uh, kind of interesting um and then related, uh, I reached the first page of Google for Utah individual health insurance um, for LegUp Health, Woo! which is an SEO win. So, good job. Uh, is that the most? Do you think the most
0: important keyword? You like if you could be number one on anything?
1: Uh, no, but I do think it's su- it suggests that uh, health dot com. I don't the I don't know what the best thing is for us to rank for. I mean, it, it could be that. Like it that seems pretty yeah.
0: good to me. Utah individual health insurance. Oh. Yeah. Well. Maybe individual health insurance. Individual insurance, yeah. But
1: but Utah is all we're servicing right now, so it's it's good. So it it's what it tells me is that Google is giving us credit for whatever reason for the content we're putting out, and that it's not going to take nearly as long to build up some domain authority Mm -hmm. in this space as I thought. I guess the content is that bad.
0: That's great. You, uh, it's probably just that you're better at it than me, but I'm, I'm always very jealous of like, you've got an SEO to work on your personal site at your last business. You're getting it to work now in a way that, uh, I feel like I've never quite cracked the code.
1: Yeah. And I don't know why I I, I don't think I'm doing anything differently. Um, I, 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 think I can't you, figure it out.
0: I think part of it is you are a real domain expert on what you're writing about in a way that like, I'm a domain expert on how to build a CRM, but not how to use a CRM. And so I don't think I have a ton of interesting stuff to say about that.
1: Hmm. Maybe. Gosh, I don't know. It's interesting though. I'm just, I, but it felt good. So yeah, that's I'm, awesome. I'm taking it as a win. What, what, nice what's going on in your world? Uh, a little tweak we're making that
0: I thought might be of interest to people. So customer service is a huge thing at less annoying CRM. Um, but it's, so if a customer wants to talk to us, we want to talk to them, but we want to make our help articles as good as possible for, I think the majority of people would rather not talk to us at all. And I think our old help articles were kind of like a mixture between a typical knowledge base and almost like an instruction manual that like, you know, back in the day, you'd buy like a VCR and there'd kind of be a book of instructions. And the intention was, I don't know if anyone did, but you could read it from start to finish.
1: I have never bought a VCR, I don't don't think. Or whatever, (laughs) like, you know what I'm talking about there, right? (laughs) Yeah, I mean, I'm doing baby buying all the time right now, baby toy buying, and Uh every baby toy comes with like a thousand pages of disclaimers of like how it might kill your kid right yes yeah. that that book yes yeah.
0: i think we are help site read sort of like that but i think the reality is w- there are a few like very vocal people who are like i will not watch your videos send me the text instructions that d- explain the whole product to me i think those people are extremely vocal and like a very 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 small minority of most people and i think we gave them too much we were, we, we targeted them too much with our content before. So we're shifting our help articles to be much, much more like you have, you're using the CRM. You already watched the videos for the basic, how it works. And you just have a specific question. and want to get the answer as quickly as possible. And so basically what we're doing is making the articles a lot shorter and a lot more specific. So rather than like, here's a thousand words or 10,000 words on how pipelines work, we'll be like, Here's how you add statuses to pipelines and then separate article. Here's how you add custom fields to pipelines and separate, like just answering each individual question. Um, So I think it'll make it easier for our support people to link to these articles. And I think it'll be easier to read them. And we're, we kind of are making a new uh, style guide for this. So anyone, anyone on our team who's writing a help article, the rule is if you remove all paragraph text and only look at uh, headlines and bullet
1: lists, do you
0: get the point?
1: I love it. Yeah, we'll see. There's nothing worse than like thinking, you, like you go to help help sites to get a quick fix. Like right. the last thing you want to do is go to the help site and look around because if, if you have to do that, you're probably just better off calling. And so, yeah, there's nothing worse than like trying to figure out if a help article actually answers your question. You want to skim it first, get an idea. And then, yeah, maybe maybe the skim doesn't give you everything you need, but like it, you you are like, sure that this is the help article that will, if I, if you invest time in this help article, I'll, your problem will be solved. Yeah. It sounds like that's the bar and I love it.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That's what we're going for, for sure. So we'll see, but it's tough because, you know, our customer service people we've hired, they're the ones writing these articles for the most part. They are, I would say like masters of the English language. They're great communicators. And like, there's kind of quote unquote good writing that you learn in school. And and then maybe even separately, good, like, professional business writing. And this is neither of those. This is, like, just get right to the point, use as few words as possible, make everything a bullet list. Uh, I, it's It almost comes across as unprofessional in some ways, I think. So it's a little uncomfortable. It's good internet writing is what it is. Yeah. I hadn't thought that, yeah, internet writing is, like, in the era of everyone's distracted and doesn't actually read anything, it probably does require a different writing style. Mm-hmm. Do you, so question for you, do you... Uh, I wasn't planning on asking this, but like, should our emails start being written this way? Do you think?
1: I don't know. Uh, I mean, so I've invested a lot into content like a pelt, not a lot, but like enough to where it's like, it's not written like internet writing. It's written like a book. Um, I think you start there. I think you start with really high quality, good content because you have to be able to link, link to substance. Especially in my business, where you're writing about stuff that has gotchas, mm-hmm. once you have the base, it's much easier to kind of gloss over the high levels and simplify so for me, I think I can do that if I link to uh you know if I sort of disclaim that this is a summary and I say for for the full details click here for you i don't know that you have that liability that i have um in terms of compliance where yeah why not just start with the 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 high level stuff and then answer questions if you have to it's not like anyone's going to break anything or get in trouble if they miss a point
0: yeah i think it's more of like a tone and professionalism thing but th- th- kind of so our emails are more of a professional tone than a lot of like like our marketing copy that's pretty common i think especially cuz if you're emailing with someone who's unhappy, like putting emojis in there is not like probably going to make things better. But something we've been toying with is like our customers are not English majors the way our customer service team is. Like maybe we're not actually writing in a way that like we're writing in the way that we're like an, an English teacher would approve of this, you know, perfect grammar, all that stuff. But then our customers write us back and like they don't capitalize anything and they don't use punctuation and there's emojis everywhere.
1: It's like, should we be writing that way? I mean, uh, I think there's little value. I mean, there's there's minimal value in m- writing like your customers in that regard. Like, I think at the end of the day, does the customer understand what you're communicating is th- the question here? Yeah, I'm
0: quite, I'm, I'm wondering. I,
1: I'm not sure. I that's a, that's a better question. Like, I I think like clear, simple writing should they sh- if you're doing that yeah. it should they should get it. If you're not doing clear, simple writing, you can do clear, simple writing without like with good punctuation and clean you know, style. Sure. Sure.
0: A, a version of this that I'm thinking of is if, if I get a contact for, I was on support last week. And so I was just doing this. If I get a contact form form from someone who's obviously not like a native English speaker, I do send the response differently. Like mm. I'm not going to use as many comma, not that I just, I don't write the same sentence, but leave commas out. I will like write shorter sentences with periods and I won't use idioms and you know, stuff like that. Cause like, they might not know that idiom. Uh, I kind of wonder if maybe like, if you just wrote all emails that way, if it would actually be, it, it would, wouldn't seem as like beautifully written, but it might be clearer.
1: Mm, yeah. I think probably clear, clear clarity and what, whatever the word for concise is. Um, yeah, I would, concisity <laughs> concisity. Uh, I would probably prioritize those two things yeah. in any business. Cool.
0: Um, Yeah, yeah. And then we we can move on. But my final thing I had written here that I forgot to mention is like another thing we're doing is just leaning on short little animated videos a lot heavier. In the past, we always had like, uh, and this is back to the help article, just to recontextualize. Um, We had a lot of like, eight minute YouTube videos people could watch. And we still have those for the big topics. But for a lot of them, like, how do I add a contact to a group? We just have like a little auto playing looping animated GIF that it's like five seconds. It's like, go there, click this thing. And they don't have to read anything. Those have been, I think, huge. Uh, Mm -hmm. It it takes a little time getting used to making them, but I think that's like a really, really good uh, way to get a point across.
1: I love it. Yep. Back to you. Well, I finished. uh, I I, I've been mentioned on the podcast the last few weeks that I've been deliberately practicing my coding skills every day for 30 minutes. Um, I just finished Wes Boss's JavaScript 30, which is a 30 day. 15 minute uh javascript exercise um so that was good uh by the i mean i feel it really helped like i nothing was i understood how everything worked or what i got to the point where there wasn't a whole lot of new things to learn it's just getting better at solving the problems without having to look things up mm-hmm. um but can you yeah, give a few examples
0: of like like what were some things you were kind of proud of uh solving
1: well the last uh, the most recent the last uh, exercise was building a whack-a-mole game, which is kind of funny. Uh, like you, ba- basically, there are six holes and uh, six images of gophers that you, you know, hide. And when when you start the game, you randomize a, an interval at which the the moles pop up. And mm-hmm. if you, you add an event listener to the moles, so that <laughs> if someone clicks the mole uh, while it's visible, then there's a point. Um, that's kind of cool. Cool. Does he give you?
0: I assume he gives you a bunch of like starting code. You're not writing that whole thing in 15 minutes.
1: Uh, you start with the CSS built and with the HTML built, and then you start with zero JavaScript and you mm. and you build the JavaScript. Cool. Yeah. That sounds like fun. Yeah, it is fun. Um, are you
0: going to continue your JavaScript adventure, or do you feel like you've got enough?
1: I feel good on JavaScript. The thing that I am most so there are two areas that in LEGO like benefits where I'm hitting some walls. Uh, one is just Dealing with uh, authentication on the front end and how to really get grasp grasp. Okay, I have a user; they've entered their password. Now I should be able to access data through this API. How does that work? Um, mm-hmm. I need that's that's a current roadblock for me. Um, and then my ability to use let's just call it CSS grid uh, and flex box is a box flex box. Mm-hmm. Um, I think. West Boss has a has a course called What What the Flex Bo- flexbox. <laughs> uh, he's a funny guy. Yeah. Um, so but but uh, those are my two sort of immediate needs. Mm. But I don't think I need to take a course on it. I think I just need to f- try to do it and build and and read about it.
0: I would have thought that for the authentication thing, you're using MemberStack for LegUp up health and then what's the name of the one you're using for LegUp up benefits? Outsetta. I would I would have thought they just handle this for you and you can just say give me this data and it'll give it to you and you don't have to worry about the user being logged in.
1: Yeah. So for leg up benefits, because I want to write custom code uh, to display, I want to have a single dashboard and display the team members that they've added to their account. Mm-hmm. I need to somehow recognize what, what user is logged in and then go get and populate that page based on the user that's logged in. I think that might be impossible. Oh, it is. well,
0: I mean, maybe Outsetta does something clever, but here, here's like a problem with authentication. Yeah, is anything you can do on your on the client, anything that happens on the client is sort of fundamentally insecure because. Anyone can change the code to be like, you know, like back in the day, in the early days of web development, you'd save a cookie that's like, my user ID is five. Yeah. The person could just go in and change that to six and then they're like logged in as someone else. Okay. Um, so what normally happens is during the login process that outside of handles for you, they save a cookie that's like this really, it's basically like this really long, complex code that says who the person is that you can't, it's long enough. You can't guess it. You can't fake it. Yep. Um, but. I wouldn't think you have the ability to tell Outseta as, from the client, I should have access to this other stuff. Normally that has to happen on the back end.
1: Okay. Does that so make how does sense? The, Well, how does, so maybe let's use a different example. So let's say a less knowing CRM user logs in and you want to, sh- you have a page, right? That you want to show them that is a contact record or you want to show a list of other contacts. Mm-hmm. How does that, t- what happens on the front end? What happens on the back end? Yeah. So on the front
0: end, you know, there's some URL like in our case it's slash app slash browse, and that that's mm-hmm. the contact list. Yep. Um, that there's some JavaScript running that looks at the URL, says I can tell what what you want based on that, and it knows what API call to make. Yep. And the API call is like get all contacts or something like that. Yep. Sends that to the back end, and then the back end says we know who you're logged in as. How do We're gonna, How does the back end know? Uh, when they logged in, they saved that cookie and. Quick, quick primer. Do you, do you know how cookies
1: work? Really, this is a this is the area where I'm weak. I don't want okay. to. Yeah,
0: cookies are saved in the browser. So the server tells the, the the browser save this cookie, and then every time the browser makes a request to the server, it includes all the cookies with the request. Uh, so okay. when the browser makes the API request, you're not you don't have to do this. This happens automatically, but it's including that secret token. With the request and then the back end looks at the token and it's like, oh, I know who this person is because the token matches. Um, But for security reasons, it's not as simple as like user ID five. It's something much, much more complicated and hard to fake. And then the back end has all the authentication really happens on the back end to say, because you have that token, you have access to all this stuff.
1: Got it. So for my example, I don't since I don't know what the what the cookie is, I probably won't be able to talk to set up on behalf of the user.
0: I mean, you'd have to be able to tell Outseta on the back end, somehow, this user has access to this other user's data. If Outseta doesn't know that already, then you shouldn't want the client to be able to tell the API that because then any of your users could like, quote unquote, hack you very easily. They could just tell Outseta to give them data they shouldn't have access to. I got you. I got you.
1: Yeah, that's interesting. Okay, well... I may have some follow-up questions for you. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you you
0: might be able to do this like an air table or something, by the okay. way. Okay. Um, but yeah, I'm happy to happy to talk through that more later.
1: Yeah, so that's where it sounds like where I need to spend some time is on the user authentication stuff and cookies because that's I think my last little hump to get over to to connect the front end to the back end. Mm-hmm. I understand how cool. the back end works now pretty clearly. Um, I understand how the front end works really clearly, how they t- they talk to each other and what the security rules are and. Yeah, that stuff is is a little bit is fuzzy still. That's great.
0: I mean, not not that it's fuzzy, but it's great that, you know, the other stuff. <laughs> <laughs> um. All right. My last thing here. Uh, so my brother slash co-founder was in town last week. And as per usual, we spent a lot of time just kind of thinking about the future and, and brainstorming, which for us means product. Like our company, you know, quote unquote strategy really just is like, what features are we going to build? Um. So it was fun and we we just kind of revisited decisions we made in the past, but like because everything's always evolving, I think you kinda of have to re- rehab this conversation every so often. So I thought maybe I'd just give an update on the vision we we set out. Uh, before I do, I just want to acknowledge all of this will be wrong. Like I'm gonna talk about 10 and 20 year out stuff. So like I I'm not under the delusion that we're right about any of this, but I think you have to have uh, th- th- there's the Dwight Eisenhower quote, plans are worthless, planning is everything. So that's kind of the philosophy I take with that.
1: Okay. Um,
0: so what we started with is like, okay, we've we've, we've already had this idea that we've got a three-decade plan and we're through the first decade. And the first decade was basically get a good foundation with a single product. And that's what Swing Serum is. Decade two was going to be kind of, by the end of decade two, we want to have a suite of products. So we're not really just a CRM, but we're kind of multiple tools to help a small business operate. Maybe just one app, not when I say different products, I don't mean like we're selling different things, but we're solving more than just the CRM problem for our customers. And then year three or decade three, hopefully have the like resources to create a new market, like build something that we're not just another CRM and another calendar and yada, yada, but like something no one's ever seen before, which is I tried in the past with sparse, which he thought was a, a fool's errand. But one day I'm going to build it, Rick.
1: <laughs> a productivity, uh, a novel productivity concept.
0: Yeah, yeah, right. Which might, I mean, I think if you combine existing products in a in a novel way, it's a new thing. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of the hope. Um, so anyway, we 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 basically said we're two years into the second decade. We're we're in twelve twelve years, about to enter thirteen here. So like, what do we have to do now? To be where we want to be at the end of that second decade, where we have a suite of products. So that's kind of the question we asked. And we talked through a lot of stuff, but where we landed is we want five, the following five kind of core things to be solved in our app. One is contacts, which we already do very, I'd call us at pretty close to 100% on that. I mean, it can get better, but like for the thing we want to be in the future, we don't like, it's not going to be limited by our contact feature not being good enough. Two is calendar, which I think we're halfway there. Like we've got, a, I think we've got a better calendar than virtually any other CRM, but it's not as good as Google Calendar or something like that. Um, three is tasks. We have a task list that's terrible. So we're like, I don't know, 10% there. And then the remaining ones are messaging. So internal messaging and email and then notes. So something kind of like a Dropbox paper or Notion type of thing. Um, so we kind of think if we had those five things working as well as our current CRM is, we'd be in a really, really good spot, you know, seven, eight years from now.
1: And when you say contacts, uh, is that when you, are you using that interchangeably with CRM? Uh, sort
0: of, yes. Okay. But th- the reason I'm saying contacts rather than CRM is some people have even, like sometimes customers who are used to Salesforce come to us and they're like, this is not a CRM. This is an address book. Um, what I would like is in the future for us, for people not to think of us as a CRM with other stuff attached But to think, you do these five basic things pretty well, and if I need a more advanced one, I will. So I I hope, like, uh, one way I'll I'll tell if we achieved this goal is, are there people using us who keep their CRM elsewhere? So I think, like, our quote-unquote contacts feature will be good enough to be a CRM for simple small businesses, but it will not be good enough to be a CRM for most 100-person businesses. But it's possible that our calendar and our notes are good enough. So they might use us for those. So that's why I'm saying context. That's probably unimportant, but yeah, (laughs) CRM context interchangeable. Um, So anyway, we basically decided for now, we we have a a good chunk of projects we're already working on that we need to finish, but I think we're really going to divert resources to get moving on calendar and tasks as the two things. We've already got to start with both of those. But to try and get those from, you know, 10 or 20% to 100% is if, if we can do that in the next few years, that would really put us in a place we'd be happy with.
1: Where does something like appointment scheduling uh, fit into that? Is that a calendar? Feature? Yeah, I'm calling that. I, I actually think it in many ways doesn't strategically
0: fit into what we want as much, but I think it's it also checks the box of I think it'll be a good marketing win because it's like people share it. But yeah, the idea with uh, calendar, we, we've got a basic calendar. We want to add appointment scheduling and not just Calendly style, but Evite and Doodle style, like any type of appointment you need to schedule, schedule it. And then meeting notes is another really big thing that I think is missing from a lot of calendar apps out there. Um, so and, and like maybe one day building in video chat and stuff like that. But basically, like you can have your meetings and lessenings here. That's where we want to get.
1: Cool. That's so, awesome. That's exciting.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Uh, All of this is very pie in the sky. Again, it's probably not going to happen. I've been talking about appointment scheduling for years and we have nothing's happened there. So this is probably nonsense. But I do think it's you got to have a vision, right?
1: (laughs) But does it I mean, did they have the effect of you and Bracken are more aligned and now also which feels good probably. And then Mm -hmm. also, are you inspired?
0: Yes. Yeah, exactly. I think that's the big the big benefit of, of going through this exercise. Yes.
1: Yeah, that's great. Yeah, thanks. Cool. Um,
0: it also it also kind of gives me some permission, like, because we've got a new developer starting in a couple of weeks or no, next week, I think, uh, very soon. And so we're going to have some more resources. And there's always this like, how much do we invest in new stuff versus improving our current stuff? This gave us enough clarity that for the next year, we know what to work on. And I'm not going to like, it could be wrong, don't get me wrong, but I won't feel constant dread about whether or not like, how do we balance this stuff? Like we basically got clarity for at least a little while.
1: That's good. That's awesome. Yeah. Thanks.
0: Feel good about it. And I just love it. Have you thought about
1: communicate? How are you going to communicate this to the rest of the company?
0: Uh, I have thought about it, but I don't have that a hundred percent answered. I mean, some of them listen to this podcast. So, (laughs) Hey guys, that's the strategy. Uh, (laughs) No, they already knew that the, the high, like they knew the three decade thing and all, all the big stuff there. They, um, there's just the specifics of what are we going to work on right now? So mm-hmm. I do need to communicate that, but I don't think that'll be too hard.
1: Yeah, it'll be interesting to see. I mean, there is a opportunity to use your newly formed leadership, operational mm-hmm. leadership team to, to cascade this a little bit. Uh, that's not really necessary at, at your size, but um, there is an opportunity to sort of test that as a communication channel, although it could be distracting for the leaders.
0: Yeah, and I am the product person still. Like, I, there's not someone on the leadership team meant to, like, be the representative of the product. That's me. But, yeah, that's a good point. And uh, even the stuff they have heard before, I bet if you surveyed every employee with, without letting them check the wiki or reference any emails I've sent and said, like, describe the 30-year vision, I, I doubt they could, most of them. So, I do think there's, like, it's important to just every six months or however often say the same stuff just to to remind everybody.
1: I agree. That's that, I mean that's the best CEOs are broken records. Yeah, it's
0: it feels so wrong in the moment, but I think I think it's what you got to do. All
1: right, that's all my topics. Cool. Well, I mean, I'm happy to you're on vacation, staycation. I'm so I'm happy <laughs> to to close early and save my I have a bigger topic. Maybe we could save till next week um when okay. I'm more focused on it because I I'm now uh, I'm I've got a, a week left of product development I'm trying to squeeze out.
0: Yeah, that sounds good to me because for people who don't know, it's a Monday. We, well, normally record on Tuesday t- today, it's a Monday. So I had a week of work to give updates on, but next week I will have had a week of vacation. So I'll have nothing to say. So I'll, I'll lean on you next week. <laughs> That's
1: perfect. <laughs> All right. Well, if you'd like to review past topics and show notes, visit com. I'll see you next week.
0: See ya.